almost started. Well, actually, never mind. We're gonna, I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, All right. I'm it's scared. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be, be fun. fun. I feel like when you say it's going to be fun, it means it's going to be humiliating uh, for me. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? Hi, I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Brittany. Uh, we are for Colored Nerds. <laughs> the conversations. That black people have. When white people aren't in the room. Yes, but we record them and put them on the internet. Yes. Because uh, we're real like that. Yeah. We're cool we, like that. You know, we're true. We're black like that. Yeah. Who, was that Digital Planets? I think so. Yeah. I miss <laughs> yeah. Digital Planets. They had one song, but I miss They had Digital. another song, too. What was the other song? Oh, I can't remember. Exactly. It's like Spotify <laughs> suggested it to me. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, okay. So, Brittany, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Pretty it's, good. I mean, well, that's I mean, a change. Yeah, that's for a both of us. very recent change. So uh, we should probably start this off with an apology. Yeah, we're sorry. This is not a new episode. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you, what you're it's hearing not... is new. But this episode of what, like, the content. You know what this is. What is this? This is a throwback Thursday. This is a, throw, this is a throwback Thursday. I like what you did there. Mm. Levels. So, funny story. Um <laughs> Both Brittany and I, well, two things, two big contributing factors yeah. to why um, w- this is not a new episode. Yeah. One is Jonas. There was a big, massive yeah. fucking snowstorm. So we couldn't. And we couldn't get to the studio. So no. uh, that's one. The second thing is my loving daughter <laughs> doubled as a Petri dish <laughs> and got us both sick yes. with the same cold. Yes. Uh, while not actually being present in the room with you. No, and also we sp- spread it. <laughs> yeah, like I to other people. I spread it to other, I've sp- I know for a fact that I've spread, like, because I, I ended up with like the flu type oh, of thing. So, oh, damn. Oh, yeah, I, I doubled up. You know, I was under a lot of stress recently, and I was just like, I wasn't really, I was acting crazy. I yeah. wasn't really sleeping. I was we had a lot going on. Congratulations right. on Sampler, by the way. Thank I was about you, to say, yeah. like, we didn't <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to that. that but, Sampler's yeah. out. I was about to say, yeah, go out mountain stores. <laughs> <laughs> go cop it go cop it but um it was like i got sick and then like stayed sick because i was also stressed yeah. and then i just like escalated it because you know i love to escalate yeah. obviously and so then it was just like the shit blew up i got sick everybody around me got sick so but i got you sick you got me sick from something that doesn't actually happen if we hung out we <laughs> Like we finally like the one I, I think it's funny just the one fucking time that we actually try to like go Wait. and just hang out with each other. Do you know the last time that we the last time we did, that we did that in August? Yeah, I, that was right before I got the flu. Dang, that's remember deep. I got sick. Well, I don't know if you went to you didn't go to Afropunk because you had nah, just nah, had nah. a child. Obviously, yeah, I was at Afropunk laying on a blanket. That's like, deep. just laying there, just, like, shivering and stuff like that. Like, everybody's like, do you want to go see Kate Renata? I was like, okay. <laughs> it was looking like fucking Weekend at Bernie's. But it was at, it was literally, like, the day after we had, we went yeah. to Black Swan. We had a drink, remember? I, I mean, I, I do remember that. It was a good, it was a good time. The next day, I got the fucking flu. That's deep, because, like, maybe maybe I'm Typhoid. Like, what is it? Typhoid Mary? Is that what they call it? What is that? Typhoid Mary was, like, they apparently, I don't think it's probably a myth, but Typhoid Fever? I think is the the yeah, like yeah. ailment, but it like spread rapidly, and they were able to track it down to the like the one person who started giving it to everybody. So oh maybe that's like me. Your patient? No, well, you know, actually, a patient zero. Patient zero. I was actually maybe you are patient zero because yeah. at first I thought Peanut was patient zero. Well, I mean, she so she like is 
like she's the culture of where everything grows. <laughs> she is the petri dish. Yeah, and I mean a beautiful petri dish. Yes, but you know I then receive that, and it turns into you know my body is not prepared for no. such things. God, jeez, I was like I got sick. Like I haven't gotten sick in a really long time. I got really sick too. I I don't really get like sick. I'll have like a day thing. Like uh-huh. where I'm yeah, just like, yeah, where you're like, uh, and then you take day call, and the next yeah. day you're fine. You next sleep. day I'm fine, yeah. but no, I was for real. I mean, I'm still relatively sick. Like Zyrtec and like Theraflu are keeping me together right now. Oh, you know what? I slept 13 hours the other day, which I guess you probably can't do. Yeah, that's a luxury. But right, know. yeah, no, I mean, it's luxury for like even 13, <laughs> 13 hours is not like a regular thing like that I can do normally. Yeah, no, so I, um, yeah, I got I was sick for 10 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been a, it's been a smooth week for me. But we had fun when we went out. We had a, we had a good time. We went to a bar we hadn't been to before. That was like in yeah. my neighborhood. It was down the street. We took Ubers. Yeah, like we drinking Maker's Mark. We weren't even out we, while late. No, we I was home by I think like one thirty. One thirty. We yeah. had coats on. Yeah. Like I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. Was, I didn't go out the rest of the weekend. It was. I didn't either. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't really go out. No. So it, yeah, it was deep. I mean, it was funny because I was like, I was hyping it up. And I was like, the day before, I told you, I was like, I go out with all of our friends without you, and I have more fun. And I was yes. like, we shouldn't hang out. And then we, were, <laughs> <laughs> and then we actually do hang out. And maybe this is like the world telling us that we shouldn't. We just stay separate. We just need to stay separate. We, we should only, only meet in yeah, this room. This is the only way that it works. <laughs> yeah. So what we're gonna do? Yeah. Instead of uh, instead of giving you a new episode, yeah. is actually bring back one of our favorite episodes. Yeah. And it's actually uh, like we honestly we went back and listened to it, and we think it's like I think it's super relevant in terms of like the larger context of you know society and the world yeah current events well also if you think about news cycle news cycle I was actually (laughs) before you played yourself just now I was about to help you out because right now you know what I'm saying the academy of motion picture arts and sciences yes is not giving us no play no love no No love love. although you know uh, Nate Parker you heard I don't know if you heard today first of all I follow all Nate Parker news okay I mean, real talk, I think it's a lost episode where we had a longer conversation about Nate Parker. I said that actually Nate Parker's <laughs> face could get me oh. to sell his mixtape out of the trunk of my car that I don't own. I believe that you would say something like yeah. that. That sounds like a huge statement. But uh, but he recently, you know, set a record for the like largest purchase of a film in Sundance. So how we, much how much how much money was that? Seventeen million dollars. Hey, wow, yeah. wow. That's even more than uh top five. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So shouts out to him. You know, Oscars, get your shit together. Get your shit Apparently, together. Apparently, you guys are slowly trying. I saw, like, the the thing. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever. We'll see. Also, like, a note about Sundance, real quick, just an aside. Friend and family of the show, Soraya uh, Nadia McDonald. Yep. Uh, who, congrats, recently moved to the Undefeated from yeah. Washington Post. If you, like, I, even if this is, like, if you're listening to this after Sundance, which I think you probably have you, to be. Yeah. Yeah. Her Sundance tweets are... Yeah, Fire life-giving yeah so like if you want to know how things were happening as they were happening just go back and read that shit it's just the great it's like the best use of your time i'd say this week yeah more so than attending your job that's fair Mm -hmm. but in addition to that also we put out this episode roughly around the same time it was like february of last year so there is that aspect of it It was black history month black history month is coming that's really relevant and the episode we're going to play for you, because we haven't told you yet, but you yeah. already know from yeah. the title, is Boomerang. And Boomerang, you'll find this out, but Boomerang is one of my, like, it's my number three favorite film. I say yes. that in an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anyway, we we have a great. Well, hopefully, is actually one of our favorite episodes yeah. of the show mm-hmm. that we've yeah, done. Definitely. We were super hyped uh, just because at this time, you, and we you can tell we sound super hyped in, yeah. during the episode because this is actually the first episode that we put out after uh, more than like a uh, hundred people started listening to <laughs> Nin- the show. Nineteen actually, yeah, I think uh, was the number of downloads. Five, yes. <laughs> Yes, downloads literally is what we got uh what we used to get but we got put on new and noteworthy and we got a like fairly yeah. like nice bump in terms yeah, of listenership yeah for sure for sure for um, that sure. we were really excited about so that's why you know we sound so amped um but we think that you'll enjoy it and we will be back with a new episode uh <laughs> next week I'm excited about next week's episode. I'm excited about next week's episode. I'm excited about Black History Month. I'm super excited about Black History Month. It's gonna, you know, it's lit. Oh, it will be lit. I'm just glad I'm not sick anymore. I'm still fighting. But by by this weekend, I'll be straight. All right, so. All right. Enjoy. To the tape. Anyway. Anyway. So, I'm hyped. I'm hyped, too. This is... Oh, this, today's a good episode. Today, you know, I already know. Like, usually we're like, sometimes we sit down and we're like, man, we're going to see how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most times we sit down and we're like, man, we're we'll going to see, see how, how it's going to go. go. But this one, I've been, I've been, it's been kind of gestating. I knew you were going to say gestating. I said it in my head. For a while. You know, it's been, it's been working in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And I never, I couldn't actually get it out the reason why this would be a good topic. But now it's here. It's here. To kind of... Provide a little bit of backstory. Uh-oh. About a week ago, I came across this list, 28 black films you need to see to keep your race car. Now, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, we, black people in general, we play this game a lot. We like, you know, what are the movies that's like a part of the official canon? Oh, yes. You know, what is it that everybody has to see? Yes. And usually the list is like five or ten. So like to see a, like 28 is like an exhaustive. Yes. <laughs> Well, one for every single day of Black History Month. Yes, yes. And Black History Month is is now. Is now. It's not actually while we're recording this, but it's Black History Month to you. Exactly. So happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. Welcome. But yeah, so 28 black films you need to see. One for each day of Black History Month. And I'm going to run through them really quick. I mean, we're not going to spend it. This is not what the episode is about. You're going you're gonna to run through all of them? Like, real quick. The, uh, the highlights. I think you should just give a couple highlights. Okay. So, you got Purple Rain. We just Rain. got this audience. We don't want to lose them. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> we got Purple Rain. You got Color Purple. What's Love Got to Do With It? Roots. Five Heartbeats. Friday. Friday. Harlem Nights. I'm Going to Get You Sucker, which is a gem. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Shuffle. Ease by You. You get the point. Yes. But there was one glaring, glaring omission. True. Actually, there were a few to be real with you. But this is a this is a this is a real one though. And it hurt my soul, and it spurred me mm-hmm. to action. Uh oh. And that that omission. Yes. This travesty. Woo! Is boomerang. Yes. Now. Now here's here's what, we're gonna give you a quick recap of a boomerang <laughs> if you haven't seen it. If basically if you are you know in your youthful twenties. <laughs> Or, <laughs> yeah. or, like, younger than that. You shouldn't be younger than that because we are explicit. Yeah. Um, you should but, be watching Daniel Tiger and eating Gogurt. Yeah. Or for some of our white friends who might not have ever, you know, seen, this ever seen this movie. One, I'm just going to say, you got to go see this movie. You're yeah. not going to understand a lot of the references. <laughs> but if you go watch the movie and come back and listen to this episode. I mean, you should listen to this episode first. But then also go back and watch yeah. the movie. And then you'll get everything that we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Um, you won't be mad. So, Boomerang. Boomerang. 
came out in, was it 1992? 1992. Literally, if you want to set the stage for Boomerang, all you have to say is, year is 1992 to start Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yes. That's a lot of context right there. Eddie Murphy in, like, prime peak Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy could do no wrong It was at weird this point. to watch the movie again and see that people, like, Eddie Murphy was the man. And he was in the zone. He was in the zone. <laughs> he was in the zone. Anyway, so that. we should tell you about the movie. Brittany, you want to talk about the movie? Sure. So, like I said, just to give you some context, set in New York City, 1992, Eddie Murphy, right? You're going to need to possibly suspend some 2015 disbelief because in 1992, Eddie Murphy is the shit. And I am actually, we may have talked about this in the uh, in the comedy episode of himself. I think it was like fourth, fifth episode. I'm actually not the world's hugest Eddie Murphy fan like of his entire career. Mm-hmm. I'm not the hugest fan of Eddie Murphy as an actor, but Eddie Murphy, I can admit, is supposed to be the fucking man. And you believe it in this movie. Yeah. Um. So he is an advertising executive at this like cosmetics company. He's Chantress. just like, what's that? Chantress. Chantress. Look at you. I wouldn't expect anything less, though, than exactly. perfect knowledge from you. But he is an advertising executive there. He basically was like in the, they also say he's an advertising executive, but he's in the marketing department. They act like those things yeah. are the same. I love yeah. them. I love that. <laughs> so he's there. He's the man. He like is like sleeping with mad women, always dogging them out. Yes. I say that in quotations because. Sorry, that's what I It's in the soundtrack a lot. Um, but yes, he's always dogging these different women out. And he's just acknowledged to be like, not just like professional and on point, but he's also hip and cool. Basically what happens is, is he's always trying to get the panties, but then he meets his match in this yes. woman, Jacqueline, who's not only his match professionally, right? Mm-hmm. But also romantically. She plays the game. Yes, she plays the game. And she kind of like messes him up. And then, you know, he falls in and out of love with her, also falls in and out of love with this woman who was, I was just telling Eric, uh, played by Halle Berry, named Angela, who's like proto-team natural, proto-Shea Butter Twitter. And and this is Halle Berry before, like, this is Halle Berry way before peak Halle Berry. Yeah. This is like on the upward rise, like barely out of Strictly Business. Yeah. Anyway, so he's falling in and out of love with these different women and also finding his place, getting his footing back after he kind of got his heart trampled on by this woman, Jacqueline. It's It's... I was about to say, it's a really interesting plot. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's kind of, I love this movie. This is my one of my top three. It's not not like top, not one of my top three. This is my number three favorite film. Okay. What's one time. and two? I'm just curious. One is Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. don't know what two is. Number two is Mo Better Blues, which actually oh, has. You keep telling, you mentioned that and I just don't believe you when you say that. I think you're just saying it to be cute Mo Better Blues cool is the, like, anyway. We're not going to talk. We had to do another episode about Mo, yeah. Mo Better Blues. But mm-hmm. see Mo Better Blues. Maybe we do. Um, it's actually a very similar plot to this. But Yeah, actually, you're right. No, you're totally, totally right. Yeah. But yeah, no, basically, it's just this man who gets, like, this, like, total bachelor dog asshole fucking fool who gets his comeuppance in the form, like, professional and romantic comeuppance in the form of this woman, Jacqueline, played by... Robin Givens. Robin Givens. And peak Robin Givens. Right. And in 1992, not only was she, like, when you say peak Robin Givens, that means, like, the way, like, her look and her finesse and, like, her popularity. But also, the main thing that she's kind of famous for outside of this movie is, is, like, public scandal. And so it was, like, peak people had feelings about Robin Givens. You know what I mean? So, like, her private life was, like, I hate to put it this way, but her private life was kind of popping. And she was still acting. She was still in the mix. She was looking amazing. Yeah. It's very 1992. Very 1992. Yes. One of my favorite films. Very black. Yes. Very, very black. And I think there are two very big reasons 
why I think this movie deserves to be in our 28 Days of Black Film. Tell them how you feel. Number one. Now, I'm not going to say that there weren't films that have this theme within the list, okay? Mm-hmm. And we'll share the list with you later. It's just kind of like one of those, you know, it's a listicle. It's a little listicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's around. Boomerang is unique, in my opinion, for its ability to showcase blackness mm-hmm. as the norm. Yes. To the point where you almost don't even notice the white people in the movie. It must be what it's like to go see, like, American Sniper or something like that. Not even American Sniper, because that real time, it's mad mad brown people. They just killed them all. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? No, I mean, but, like, any other Clint Eastwood movie, pretty much. That, like, in that thing where you just go to the movies and, like, you just see a movie all about white people and their problems and what they're doing. Yeah. And, like, how white people go see it, and they're like... I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't notice anything off about oh, that whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. No, that's well, how there I feel. was a black person. Right. There was one. In the restaurant scene. Yeah. Boomerang is unique in the sense of over an overwhelmingly black cast. Like everybody, I think there's like there's maybe two two white speaking parts. No. There are the French people that Oh yeah, they're shot, awesome. Own, so like four um, or five. Lady Eloise's <laughs> company at the end and then there's there's this part that really drove home like the blackness as the norm yeah was when another amazing part about this movie is that Eddie Murphy's two best friends in the movie are played what no no, but I'm talking about the scene I'm talking about the scene really much so there's this part where like Eddie's eating what's his name in the movie which one Marcus oh Marcus Marcus. right Eddie Murphy plays this guy Marcus so Marcus is eating lunch in the movie with his two best friends Gerard who is played by David, David Allen Greer. What is more 1992 peak blackness fucking talent like black excellence than David Allen fucking but Greer? who is Nothing. his other friend? His other friend, Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Like 1992, 27-year-old Martin Lawrence. When the three of them are together, it's so, 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 so great. So anyway, there's this. they have the, actually this really bizarre scene at the very beginning of the movie where they're having lunch. I think it's like five minutes in, and I was like taking notes, and I was like, oh, transmisogyny. Like right within oh, the first yeah. five yeah. minutes. Yeah, they the brought movie. this shit out real quick. Yeah, they brought it out real quick. And it was bizarre because it definitely was like a weird, like it was one of those things that took me out of like being in the movie, not just because it was so offensive and violent, but also because I was like, oh, you can't tell a joke like this in a mainstream movie no. in 24. 2015 it would have went down happen. no it, yeah. that couldn't happen but they have this like scene where they're all eating lunch and they're talking about women and all this kind of stuff and this really super fine black woman walks by and she talks to eddie murphy and she's like really like snazzily dressed and she's obviously very beautiful and she's like oh i'm from holland and like she like walks away she you can tell that she's like a bad bitch and she has her shit together yeah and then at one point, like, Martin Lawrence calls the waitress over to the table. Waitress is a white woman. Yes. Which is means something, yes. right? Like, the only person who's serving them in the restaurant is this white woman. And she's goofy as hell. Yeah. Like, she, not only is she goofy, but she's, like, not goofy in this caricature way, but she's just... They're she's, like, what is the specials? And she's like, oh, well, we have these amazing asparagus, asparagus spears. Right, and they make her really <laughs> corny. And, like, the same way that a lot of times... I can't believe this is the first example that's coming to mind. But you know... The Popeye's chicken lady and how she always has on that apron. I'm serious. Yeah. And how she's all she's goofy, but she's not a total caricature. But yeah. She's goofy as hell. She's obviously desexualized. She's in this apron. Yeah. Like you're they do all of these things so that you can't read her as attractive. That's the same way that they did that waitress. Mm. The only white woman that speaks in the entire movie, right? Wow. The is only it? white yeah. woman that speaks in the entire movie is no, a waitress who whose entire visage has been made goofy and desexualized. Like, that's deep. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. deep. Especially when you think about 
the way shit look now? I mean, usually, and even in movies in general, usually, you know, if you think about just love interests in general, mm-hmm. it wasn't, you weren't having a black male lead in a mainstream movie without a white female lead. And they weren't, they weren't in a relationship. No, but they were together. They, they were together. Yeah. You know, if you think of like Pelican Brief. So, you know, it's a big deal. People, the black people in this movie exist and are, have a bit of comfort. Almost what I think like we are allowed to have. Yes. With the podcast. You know, I mean, this, the point, the reason why we do this is yeah. to have conversations where provide a platform for the real conversations we have when, mm-hmm. you know. We're not in mixed company. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> what I'm here for. So blackness as a norm. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the other big reason mm-hmm. why I feel like this deserves a spot and what makes Boomerang unique. I'm excited to talk about this point. Is because I feel like if you remove, you know, and another thing just I'll say before before I say this. Boomerang is my number three top favorite film. Mm-hmm. It is not a perfect film. It is not a perfect film by no. Any means, any means whatsoever. They say, as you said before, they said some very transmisogynistic shit. Like they're, yeah, yeah, like literally, like five minutes in. It's wild, just like misogynistic shit in the movie throughout. Now taking that away, okay. I think that Boomerang doesn't maybe not excellent job, interesting, and an interesting job of showing a black man coming to grips with a feminist upheaval within his workplace. I'm nodding, actually. Uh, I just realized I was, I silently responded. No one can see me. <laughs> I can, I, you know that I'm going to have some push, I got some pushback. I know you right got some here. pushback. But and I'm excited to engage this. I'm excited. So, I mean, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to I'm that. I'm going to save that for a little bit. But let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about blackness as a norm and boomerang. Okay. I mean, we have a few, like, I have to say, we take notes every time. We so, do. you know, we come, we, you, you know, it's not written. We're not scripted, but we have some things that we want to get out. If we were if we scripted, scripted. <laughs> we should just give up now. Yeah, right? right. <laughs> you shouldn't listen. No. I mean, going back to what you were saying, there are rarely ever any white people around. In addition to that, they had black people at every single kind of financial level. Yes. So you had black people who you could tell kind of didn't have the best resources. Mm-hmm. You had people who were striving, you know, you yeah, had like Boney T, which was Chris yeah. Rock. Chris Rock. Back so in the day. So black excellence in this yes. movie, by the way. It was Chris Rock, Eartha Kitt, Grace Jones, Grace Jeffrey Jones. Holder. If you don't know who Jeffrey Holder is, you need to get your life together. He recently passed and you need to get your life together. And he's in Boomerang. Yeah. And they're all just in there. They're all just being excellent Floating together. around. Just and everybody just got to exist. Everybody kicked out, like, one of, not one of their best, like. Grace Jones, though. That was probably, yeah. I'd say, probably her best. Yeah. I mean, Grace Jones was really, really good. They let, and they just let her be her, which yeah. I think is, yeah. it was pretty great. Or as much of a, a caricature of who people think she yes, was. Yes. Grace Jones in this movie, for some background, some context, plays this character called Stranger. And Stranger is like this, I like, I read this in Wikipedia because I couldn't really discern while watching the movie what exactly her job was. Mm-hmm. She's a fashion diva. Well, she was the she, she was, was the like, face. She was she the was new. The, she became the new face of the organization. Exactly because she like and she's she's basically playing Grace Jones in real life. Yeah. If you don't know who Grace Jones is, man, just pause and, and just use the Google app on your phone. Do a do a Wikipedia search. Yeah, she's a lot amazing, there. amazing, amazing woman. Grace Jones to to paint the picture of how Boomerang liked to position black people in this film. Right. I like to come back to when Grace Jones or Stranger mm-hmm. makes her entrance. 
<laughs> so they're having this big party because, again, like Brittany said, mm-hmm. so the company was originally, um, actually, well, there was Chantress. Chantress. And it was bought by Lady Eloise. But Lady Eloise. Played by Eartha Kitt. Played by Eartha Kitt. Who's pe- playing Eartha Kitt, basically. Playing Eartha Kitt. Yeah. They, you know, they felt like Eartha Kitt was a little too old to be the face of the company. So they were trying to reinvent the company for mm-hmm. the, for, um, for the 9 2. Yep, the 992. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 92. And they brought in Strange. So they had this big celebration, this big, very regal event. Like everybody's dressed up. Mm-hmm. Like you had Martin, you know, Eddie Murphy and David Allen Greer in tuxes. You had like Robin Givens in a, in a dress. Gorgeous gown. Killing it. Yeah. Halle Berry looking good too, although they tried to dress her kind of frumpy. They made, they made her so frumpy. They made her look like what I recorded. <laughs> They try to be like plain friend, like Halle Berry's your plain friend. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Strange comes in. They fly this woman in in a helicopter in a box. Yes. And at first you're like, all right, this is problematic. Like, why is this woman (laughs) in a box? But once they open it up, Grace Jones pops out on a chariot drawn by white men with a whip. Like I'm, I'm Amazing. sitting there losing my mind. Amazing. Like what? Like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like they just, they just went for it in just, every single sense. The only white men that speak in the movie are French. They don't even speak English, yeah. so they can't even express anything. Like all of the white people in this movie are rendered irrelevant and speechless, and, and or speechless. That I mean, that's. That's crazy. And that, yes. this is like, people gave them, I imagine, millions of dollars. Oh, it was 48. Like, the budget was crazy. Like, they spared no expense. This was um, Reginald Warrington Hudlin, who were brothers. They did House Party. And mm-hmm. so they've done tons of other work since then. In reading about the film, basically, Eddie Murphy, and it made me have a lot more respect for Eddie Murphy, like, looking at the way this was made as an adult. He got, he basically, like, was like, this is the story that I want. He got two writers, these white guys from Saturday Night Live. They put the script together. And then he was like, I want Reggie in Warrington. I want this person. I want that person. He just was like, put the whole thing together, kind of. And like, who he, it just says so much about who he was at that time that... He had the pull. Yes, he yeah. had the pull. He was just like, oh, like $48 million is no-ho now. But $48 million or 42, whatever it was, 40-something million dollars in 1992 for a romantic comedy yeah. with all black people, you can't get kept... I can't get I don't even forty dollars to make a movie right, right. now. <laughs> I don't even know if Kevin Hart could had that kind of pull. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right this second to be able just to say, I want a black director, I want a black I want you know, I want this person, I want that person, like I want babyface to yeah. do the music. They had like they spared no expense in shooting this film, and you can tell. And every single point, there was so much care and detail put into how they really like transform all of the all the elements to really reflect blackness mm-hmm. even down to this is something that I caught because I mean you, I watched this to tell the truth I watched this movie at least twice a year you did tell me that um, I haven't seen it since I was 17 I haven't seen this movie deep. in 10 years yeah that's amazing I mean I can I almost wish I hadn't to be able to see it with oh, like, eyes we'll that fresh we'll get to that at some point go ahead <laughs> but they even changed the condoms like if you yeah what if was you, it I couldn't it read the it said Ramses which was a pharaoh as opposed to Trojans. What? Yes. Like, Yay! right, levels. Levels. Like, so many. Like, they paid, they paid attention to so much detail. And it put me in a place of where I just felt so almost relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very over-the-top picture in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. I mean, like, we just talked about Grace Jones riding in on a, on a chariot, chariot drawn by, by white men. White men yeah. Like, don't get it twisted. It's, it's, it's a crazy movie. Yeah. But... 
it was so like relaxing to just not those almost like uh, racial elements or, or that clash that can sometimes happen mm-hmm. um, or even how you how you behave in mixed company to just have that not be an issue in the film like yeah. that's not that's not what this film is about well, it, was just, the other it was thing, awesome I don't know if we even mentioned this this is important detail the entire company like the entire cosmetics company every single person working in the office was black yeah right every single per- like when we say that everyone in the movie was black Whenever there's like extras or background characters, primarily the the scene is is going to be populated by black people. If they go to a restaurant or in the party scene, there are always a few you know white people peppered, like yeah, in. to make but it realistic. <laughs> yeah, but it's literally. <laughs> I think this is actually how a lot of like mainstream movies get made. Let's put some black people in the background yeah, to make it realistic. Let's pepper this. Yes, pe- pepper <laughs> literally. But go ahead. I mean, the interesting thing you say about that though, everybody is black basically. Everybody mm-hmm. in the movie is black. But the thing that I never noticed before. And I noticed now was that the the board of directors was all white. Yeah, was all white. I did notice that. I noticed that, and that well. kind of took me out, which I thought was interesting. And you know, maybe kind of a subtle dig at the time. I mean, at the times, at time. Yeah, at now, Just <laughs> at, at now, life, right? at life. That you know, even though you have this this cosmetics company, which clearly caters to an entirely black audience, which mm-hmm. also doesn't really you know happen as much now. You no. have Miss Jessie's and like. I mean, that has, like, hair. Carol's daughter. Yeah, Carol's it ain't, daughter. like, fashion... I mean, I, I'm assuming it's probably modeled after fashion fair, but fashion fair is not popping like that. Yeah. So, you have this, like, massive black company with black people, you know, occupying every space throughout the throughout the company at mm-hmm. every level. But then the board of directors was, black, was all white. Um, but they were... Yeah. I mean, they were French. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting choice. I mean, it made sense because, you Cause know, the, the cosmetics and Chantrasse. Well, yeah, and they, t- they mentioned... <laughs> like talking about this like this is real but i was like they did say at the beginning of the movie that the headquarters you know was in paris oh yeah the other thing when you talk about like that when you actually think about the nods to race like so that was a nod to race having the whole board directors be white men there's a scene in a racial profiling scene in the movie where like the three guys gerard tyler and marcus are all shopping together for suits and there's this white guy who's like uh, working in the suit store and just like harassing the shit out of them like oh you know that costs $1,300 we don't carry cash in the store like like just giving them all of this shit and they reference and they make a joke out of it which is actually a really funny scene while they're having this conversation that's moving the plot forward romantically or whatever they're also experiencing like this racial profiling which is a lot like real life I thought that was like such a great example of how we're forced to respond what's that well not even just how you choose to respond of how sometimes like my life feels so granted these people go to work and like everyone they work with is black right I don't have that necessarily the case. I know that you don't. Most people don't yeah. have that as the case. But I know that a lot of my social life is very black. Or majority, like majority of my social life is black. Just I live in Bed Stuy. A lot of my friends are from Howard. Or even if not everyone in my social circle went to Howard, like we all are part of like a larger network yeah, of like we found each other. Yeah, we all found each other, right? So we're all generally in the same mix, especially on weekends, especially on a long weekend or something like that, that it's only those sometimes those little microaggressions that register as, you know, oh, there are white people around or like, oh, there are non-black people around. Like the way that they depict the character's interaction with whiteness is very true to real life. Like for me in my life, blackness is the norm. And my interactions a lot of times, like obviously outside of like my true social interactions with white people that I'm friends with and know and like and care about, but like with people that I don't really know, they're going to be people who are racially profiling me or people who are committing some type of microaggression against me. It's jarring. 
It's jarring, exactly. And it, it's like, like, even though we are taking note of blackness as the norm, part of the reason why I think we notice and part of the reason why we care so much and why it matters is because that is reflective of what our actual everyday life is like. Literally, I mean, that was extremely well put. Thanks. And literally, I had that happen to me, what was it, not last week, week before last? So I literally was going to get, interesting enough, I'm not going to put all that business out there because, you know, I, apparently people listen now. But... <laughs> But I was going to get fitted for a suit. Oh, yeah. and For a special occasion. For a special occasion. And the tailor made it a point to keep reiterating what the price of the suit started. <laughs> now, I'm like, I've been to your website. I called you. I made an appointment. I'm here. <laughs> like, I looked up how much the shit costs. I'm not just going to show up like, yo, let like, me get Oh, a- really? Yeah, yeah let me get Fit me. <laughs> and yeah. then hit me with the price. For a custom-made suit. Like, it's, <laughs> like, come on. Like, come on. I felt a lot like Tyler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, Martin yeah. Lawrence. Who was always like, it's racial. It's racial, man. <laughs> he's trying to t- He's like right. advocating for, you know, for them to see like, yo, that was a slight. And like sometimes in the movie, actually a lot of times in the movie when he says that, it's kind of a reoccurring thing. They're like... Uh, you need to chill. Like yeah. you read them more into that. The reality is, in that point, and at that particular time, they were like, "Yeah, yeah, like that was some overt yeah, shit." And the interesting thing that I think that happened within that scene is at the end, Eddie Murphy kind of like lived everybody's like dream when they were walking out the door. The man who uh, committed the microaggression who was like, "Yo, you need to, you know, there's no layaway here. Oh, yeah. It's not on sale. It's eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. You got to pay all at once." He's standing at the front of the store to watch to make sure they don't steal anything. Right. And Eddie Murphy like jumps at him like rah. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight up. Uh-huh. I'm gonna be real, real, real right right now. Okay, I don't know what you're gonna say. When something like that happens, like when somebody comes at you and they treat you in a manner that make you that makes you feel less than that, your first reaction is always to want to do some shit like that. I always <laughs> wanna act that do you know how many like, times I've like cut my music up on an airplane and started dancing in my seat because somebody was uncomfortably sitting next to me. I love acting out in public. I love it. <laughs> but in that situation, you don't want to give that person a satisfaction of like taking you out your cool. In some cases you do. Like what you just said. Yeah, petty. I, mean, exactly. I love it. Petty. <laughs> petty Pendergrass. But <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. But you have to hold that in. So to see, to, to watch Eddie Murphy kind of let that out for one day, it was kind of like the purge. We need, we need like a purge where we can just react <laughs> just, however we want. Just clap to, back. Yeah. Just like a major clap back weekend. But no, I thought that was an amazing, an amazing scene. Like you said, for, to depict the realness of that. And another thing, to go back to Tyler, Tyler kind of broke this shit down when they were playing pool. Yeah. The, uh, the interesting thing about this, like they really do a great job of showing like black male relationships. However fraught, or however problematic in that particular case, because like I said, sometimes they say some like really, really, really terrible shit, shit. Uh, in terms of like being misogynistic. But the reality is, we do hang out all the mm-hmm. time, and it, a lot of it is very activity focused. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost. I'm sorry. Look at you. Like this is good. Okay. I good. mean, we've talked about this. Yeah, before, we have. But a lot of it's very activity folks. They're always either out to dinner, working out, playing pool, like doing something specifically. That's how a lot of. My, my interactions happen as well with my friends. Yeah. Like, we're rarely just kind of sitting around shooting the shit. We're always kind of doing something. So I thought that was very true to life. At one point, they're playing pool. And Tyler's talking about, so pool is like the most racist game in the world because you have this white ball <laughs> whose goal is to knock out all the colored balls on the table. Mm-hmm. And the game is not over till he can knock out the black ball. 
Right, and that was the scene where David Allen Greer is like, oh, I don't know Tyler, and Eddie's like, No, you're not. No, he's something. like, you, That's not hotel history. That's like, it's a little Uncle Ruckus. Yeah, it's a yeah, little Uncle Ruckus. But I was like, Dang, that's yeah. deep. That's deep. See, that's of real course, deep. y'all would think, y'all would, you would think that that was deep. I see what he did there. He tried. He tried. And I thought, I, mean, I thought it was just really funny. I thought that was a, a great way. <laughs> no, to, I, think, I love it. Because everybody, you know, everybody has that one friend who's like, um, conspiracy like, Yeah, theorist. like bugging out yeah. from um, Do the Right Thing. Yes, yes, yes. I thought all of their representations, and to even talk about like, so even black men in general, mm-hmm. like, so you have Marcus, the three black friends. You have Marcus, who is kind of like the suave, um, I don't even know if I call him romantic. He was kind of some... No, he like, was like a... A playboy. Yeah. The, playboy? Yeah, the playboy. Yeah. Player. Basically, the precursor to Bill Bellamy. Oh, how to get a play. The precursor to Bill Bellamy. Okay. We're on but the same page. You had him. You had Gerard, yeah. who was David Allen Greer, who was basically, I mean, basically me. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, I get, yeah, you now. I'm a mix, but anyway. <laughs> you now. Okay. Thanks. I didn't change you. You just came for me. You just came for me. I, I already self-deprecated myself. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go anyway, ahead. so you had Gerard, who was kind of like... Kind of corny, you know. Yeah, he was corny. Say. He was like the guy who, at the beginning of the movie, he was like, you know, you guys say all this awful stuff about women. What yeah. about companionship and like love and feelings? Y'all yeah. got to get in touch with yourself. And they were like, "You bitch, mate. You so fucking soft." <laughs> like I told you, I first saw this movie when I was set, literally like this month, ten years ago. Shit, yeah. I've always seen it in bits and pieces throughout the past ten years. But watching it now as an adult, and like when I was younger, I just kind of took it in. And then I went to Howard the following fall, and then my life just unraveled from there. But watching it now at 27, and like being in that same stage of life, I'm sitting there and I'm like, will y'all listen to Gerard? Yeah. Will y'all please act like Gerard? Will you please help me? Will you act like Gerard? Gerard's the only fucking reasonable person in the whole movie. Well, I think Marcus, his growth as a person, he becomes more like Gerard. You can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes. But okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying. So, and okay, then you also have you also have Tyler, who's a lot more like aggressive and even more of kind of like overtly misogynistic. And uh, Tyler, everybody knows a Tyler. Everybody has a Tyler. Yeah. It's weird because like Tyler, played by Martin Lawrence, is the coal of the group. Dang. Do you see you the level? So Martin to to explain because some people might not know that. Some people might <laughs> Sorry, not. Sorry, you can't rest- see my face. I know. If you haven't seen Martin, stop listening. There now. is a show called Martin. Martin. It is an excellent show for the time. Yeah, it's an amazing show. For the time. Moment in time. Um, but anyway, Martin Lawrence was the lead character in that. Mm-hmm. And there was another character who was his friend called Cole, who was yeah. just like, I mean, pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, but Martin Lawrence basically played Cole in this movie. Yes. So yeah. that was deep. I yeah. just we had to break it down. We did. It feel less that deep, was but like that was very... actually pretty deep. Yeah, no, so you have, you have Marcus. You have Tyler, so you have the playboy, you have the fool, who's Tyler. Yes. And then you have, like, kind of, like, the softy, which who's Gerard. Or the nerd. The nerd. He could have been on the podcast. He could have been on the podcast. <laughs> we would have very much appreciated we his We would have probably begged him to come on. But you have the three of them together, and, like, that trio, you know what I mean? Those three amigos. Amigos, for short, let's say. You know <laughs> what I'm what saying? You, did there. you see what I did there, right? That triumvirate is, like, everybody have, everybody knows three guys like that. Or everybody. composite of those three Or guys. composite of those three guys. And also, like, we were talking about this earlier. You can be one of them, but maybe not in all of your friendship groups or yeah. friendship dynamics, like mm. friendship circles. Maybe you Marcus in, Marcus in Brooklyn, <laughs> but you're Tyler in Memphis. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, that's real. That's real. Or actually, the re- real, real talk, the real, it's the reverse. You're 
Tyler in Memphis, which is probably I'm, so I'm Tyler, definitely Tyler Gerard. in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, and yeah, then no. you're Marcus of Memphis. in Memphis. Exactly. Like, that, that's actually, basically that's what my life is. Deep. I was trying to figure out who of them. Like I probably should be dating Gerard in 2015. I'm gonna turn over a new leaf and start dating Gerard. I think my whole like life history though is Tyler's who swear they Marcus. Everybody <laughs> and you know and you know that's actually so accurate. And you know that is not a lie. I Tyler's can't find who swear it. Marcus. Damn. If you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. But you are. <laughs> But it's fine. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, like I mean, that representation of kind of like the black friend dynamic was spot on, spot on. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's valuable to kind of show that because you and, and even in movies that came out later, I mean, you had like your coolie high if you go back. Yeah, you know, it's not like the, those types of dynamics weren't shown before, but I thought mm-hmm. it was really well done in terms of black successful men. Mm-hmm. You know, like people who were relatively upwardly mobile or whatever. Um, I thought it did a great job of showing how, even though you change the situation, those kind of behaviors and those those personalities are still very much the same, which yeah. is kind of sad. Cause it is kind of sad because that means y'all don't really outgrow anything. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought that that was, I liked that, like you said, the bla- in the blackness as norm, it's sad that it was such a jarring experience for both of us to watch it as adults and to be so shocked by this, even though it's so true to our own real lives. Even when you talk about that and. <laughs> You're going to hate me for saying this, low-key. But when you talk about how they show black people at every level of class and society and doing all sorts of different types of jobs, teaching art to being an executive or, you know, from being somebody's retired parent who's, yeah. you know, country and wild as hell. A good example of actually a show that I love to watch that you, I think, are getting into that does a good job with that actually is Empire. I actually, before I watched rewatch Boomerang last night, I watched this past week's episode of Empire, and it was a similar thing where, like, I that's something I noticed watching with my sister. We marathoned a couple episodes last weekend, and they did the same thing in Boomerang, where it doesn't matter what station you are in life, but you're valid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, Chris Rock's character was in the mailroom, but he was valid. And the kids, like the inner city kids who were art students, they weren't just like some like. Angela, to give you some background, Angela Halle Berry's character, in addition to being like a creative director at this advertising office firm or whatever, she also like teaches art to underserved kids or whatever. But the kids were not, the kids were human. Do you know what I mean? They weren't supposed to necessarily feel bad for them. You're supposed to find them interesting and funny and, and cute. It's the same thing on Empire, where even though Cookie, who's the main character played by Taraji P. Henson, she's somebody who is formerly incarcerated. She just got out of prison. She's trying to get her family back together. There are people who are in various parts of the life you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying as far as being criminals or not or gay or straight or kind of hood kind of street super educated and you know some people are super fucking corny some people are married to white women and but every single person is not necessarily pigeonholed every single person is valid and their yeah. station of where they are in life is valid and i like that about empire i think that's the thing that i hook into with empire and that's one of the things that i really liked about boomerang is that it because blackness was the norm and it wasn't seen as a detriment to yeah. your character as it can. Or even a be. hindrance. Yes, yeah, or a yeah, hindrance. Every single person, you know, like I said, from the country bumpkin parents, you know, all the way up to Jacqueline and her kind of, her mean ass. Everybody was valid. <laughs> Tisha Campbell living next door. Yeah. Who was like, I guess had been played by Marcus before and always was like cursing him out and wanting to get back at him. She was, you know, the wild, crazy neighbor, but she was still valid. She wasn't like, nobody was, I felt like was the butt of a joke. Yeah. Well, I think she was a butt of a joke. Yeah, but I mean, but, like, yeah, a general joke as opposed yeah. to, yeah, like a life joke that uh, never ends and costs you money and years of your life. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was deep. But I want to, I mean, I think that's a good 
that's a good point to kind of wrap blackness as a norm because I really want to I want to make sure we have time yes to talk about how I think this movie has a lot of really strong feminist elements get into and it I'm now, excited here's the thing I mean white elephant in the room I'm a man and I recognize that it's somewhat ridiculous for me to champion the feminist portrayal of this movie yes to you a woman yeah. Especially in the face of so many misogynistic elements throughout the film. <laughs> I recognize this. I acknowledge this. I will even say I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong. But I'm willing to talk through it. I want, I want you it. to hear my thoughts. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive your thoughts. Okay. Interestingly enough, within this movie, you actually learn a lot, a lot about the women in Marcus's life. Yes. So... You have, and so let's. Who are the women in Marx's life? Let's let's like run through them really quick. You yes. have about, I think, four like primary or five primary. Okay. So you have you have Robin Givens as Jacqueline. Yes. Who is positioned as very much? They take great care to show that she is his equal. She dresses immaculately. Mm-hmm. You know, she is uh, very suave, very smooth. She's extremely intelligent. Yes. She is absolutely gorgeous. And at the time, you know, Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy was that too. He was a handsome guy. Yeah. He's a handsome guy. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, he had that like interesting up little fade lip. natural thing going on. But it like was the time. he still had the Murphy mustache. I'm still trying to get to that Murphy mustache. I'm working at that. I'm gonna get there one day. I didn't know that was your goal, but okay. Yeah. Thirty five? When when I hit thirty five, that's it's it's coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back. Just stay on topic. Anyway, so Robert Gibbons, she was chosen over him for this job. So they were at the at the same, like, employee level. Mm-hmm. Okay? She was very straightforward. She was also, they show her into sports. So yeah. you have this very, like, strong woman who's, like, broke down, like, those normal barriers of, of the women he had kind of stereotyped throughout his life. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's Robin Gibbons' quick nutshell. Putting her in a box. Yeah. That was a quick nutshell. Anyway, you also have Halle Berry. They made her out to be a little frumpy and a little nerdy, but very much an empathetic, compassionate woman. You know, very creative. She's interesting. They showed her, they showed all the different, like, paintings that she was done. She was well-traveled. She was like, I got this goalie mask from Africa. I love how she said, from Africa. Not country, but yes, Africa. I know this. She painted, you know, she she gave back to her community. They showed her as kind of like like a leader in that regard. She she did very well with uh, Gerard's family. Yeah, she could cook. She could cook. She was awesome. She was she was kind of portrayed as that woman who clearly you want to be your mate or partner. Yes. So then you also have a few who are on the the you know the periphery. You have Tisha Campbell, which is real quick. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you gotta throw her out there. But you know, she was there kind of as his immediate foil, like to show that like he had wrong consistently yeah. some women to the point. Up. Yeah, he had been <laughs> fucking up to put it lightly for a long time to the point where you know she would retaliate by pretty much calling him out to everyone yes. who came to his house. Yes. <laughs> A little bit of a stalk. In addition, you had Eartha Kitt. And yes. can I just say, my first note is Eartha Kitt, though. Eartha Kitt, though. I hate you. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> I can see it. It really like, is that. Literally, Eartha Kitt, who is a feminist icon in her own right. Yes, absolutely. You know, if you if you are on Black Tumblr, you've seen an Eartha Kitt gif set. Oh, yeah. Eartha Kitt, she was she not play. playing with you all. She was not playing with Lady Bird Johnson. She was not fucking with this Vietnam War. She was not fucking with y'all racist showrunners. She was not here for the bullshit. And Eartha Kitt, even though they tried to like make Eartha Kitt, she was Lady uh, Eloise. Lady Eloise. They tried to like play her a little bit in, in her portrayal because she was yeah. she was a little old. She's still looking damn good in my yes. opinion. 
you know, my, interestingly enough, my fiance always rolls her eyes when Eartha Kitt comes on the screen. So I was like, yo, Eartha Kitt, <laughs> Eartha Kitt. Anyway, she was very like, they actually used a lot of descriptors for both for her and uh, Anne Strachan. Graceful, powerful. She, re- she reflected natural beauty. You mm-hmm. know, I thought that was interesting. She also was rich. Yes. She had two manservants. Yes, she did. Todd and there was another guy. I can't, I can't remember. remember his name. I can't remember his name. She was in a position of power. She had been there. She had, she was, you know, very regal. They showed a lot. They took great care to kind of set her up, even though she, and she was also very proudly sexual as well. She was. She was popping. It was interesting because I could, and I have a note in here about like, I get that Eartha Kid is a punchline, but she looks amazing. Yeah. Like she was too appealing and too fly and like body was, she was incredible right in, in 92 her yeah. body was incredible she had to be in her 60s or 70s yeah. then i could see that they were trying to make her a punchline but like because she's so who she is it kind of didn't fully pan out that way yeah and so it was kind of situationally funny but it wasn't sad no it wasn't sad like she was still popping like yeah. you got she got to be fully acknowledged as as like popping in that movie it's like she was a little bit older but it wasn't like it wasn't Medea you know what yeah. I mean it wasn't like that type of caricature so I mean you had Eartha Kid. then you also had Grace Jones yes I got Jones. mad notes about Grace Jones I stand for Grace Jones in this movie because yes. she was just so she was so herself she was and the, the adjectives that they used for her was powerful, bold, aggressive, yes. glamorous. Grace Jones, she just came on the scene. Every scene she was in, basically, you, you had to struggle. They had to fight to be noticed. Yes. Because Grace Jones is killing it. Yes, she was killing it. And she, like, she, I think, did a really good job of lampooning her own public image. She yeah. was genuinely very good in this movie and really funny. And I thought the interesting thing, even in talking about her as a feminist, another feminist icon for sure. in this movie, they made a point to talk about how you could never control yes Strange. you can't control Strange. you just gotta let her be who she is mm-hmm. and I thought that was really you know that was really interesting and even for who Marcus was in the movie he often was supposed to be this like lady killer this tamer of women whatever. yeah but in the end he couldn't tame Strange. and it was actually Robin Givens yes who had to step to her and be like yo you gotta chill just yeah. a little bit <laughs> you yeah. gotta chill I mean, like you say, she got you got to chill. Like there was a scene where Strange is supposed to go down to the Caribbean with Lady Eloise's company and shoot this like advertisement for you know some cosmetic product. There's this amazing scene yeah. in the restaurant where, <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, the word "pussy" is uttered at least by Grace Jones in a French accent at yeah. least. 15. I was going to say 30, maybe. Yeah, like a million times. It's yeah. an amazing, amazing scene. But she gets up and storms out of the restaurant, and then Robin Givens and Eddie Murphy follow. And when you say, like, it wasn't like Robin Givens was just like, you got to chill. She went up to Strange's stretch limousine, yes. which she had a black Another, driver. I, yeah, a driver. With locks. Gorgeous black man locks with locks. With knee high boots on. With knee high <laughs> boots. Exactly. Like, legit, right? He was like, he's dressed up like a coachman, okay? So he's there, lets Grace Jones in the car. And then Eddie Murphy seems like he might like think he's going to handle the situation. And then Robin Givens is like, one second. And then she goes up to Strange's window. Strange rolls it down. And she's like, look. You gonna go down to the Caribbean, or else we're gonna take away these millions of dollars that we've given you. And da 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 da. She just told like she didn't say, "Look, you need to chill." She was like, "Look, Strange, this is what it's going to be." Yeah. After it was already established that Strange couldn't be controlled, and you had to let her do what she was going to do. And also, that was like the other thing that happened in the scene. Why Grace Jones even got on the topic of pussy in the first place puss, puss, is puss. because <laughs> puss, puss, puss. exactly before she even got on that that topic in the first place, Robin it was 
was because Robin Givens left the table, like specifically to get Marcus and Strange to talk. Because she had told Strange that Marcus was amazing in bed, yeah. right? She basically dogged the shit out of Marcus yeah. to Strange. Right. And then left the table so that Strange could be like, hey, Marcus, Jacqueline said you got, you know, you got some good shit popping off in your pants. Let's What's get up? it cracking. What's right. The deal? What's up? Where's like, mine at? Exactly. That whole dynamic was just like. Mm. And then she went outside and handled the business yeah. after Marcus got embarrassed in the middle of that restaurant. It was yeah. low key amazing. It flipped that narrative of this like playboy, this like dog, mm-hmm. you know, on its head. It wasn't simply that he got caught cheating and reformed no no this man got broken down yes deservedly (laughs) she i forgot after she he found out that she dogged him out in the restaurant he got embarrassed strange left she handled that situation she broke up with him in the street in the street she's just like it's over in the middle of the night in like somewhere in like midtown yeah she's just like okay it's over bye and walked off with her hair like we popping down the street in the wind like it's it's the middle of winter she's skipping skipping (laughs) it was amazing it was amazing so i mean i think if you look at how much like that much detail Mm -hmm. isn't usually given in these types of pictures Mm -mm. you know it's like the women were very much well-formed characters Mm -hmm. like jacqueline they didn't give her as much time as the others even like even like strange but she's supposed to be an antagonist she's supposed to be a villain exactly but even the interesting thing about that like they didn't make her like she was the villain but she wasn't like I mean, she wasn't, like, terrible. No, she I just like, necessarily hate her. She very much just did what Marcus did. Exactly. I mean, I got a couple thoughts about that. On one hand, I do definitely understand. I, I actually don't disagree with you when you talk about him dealing with this feminism upheaval in the workplace, especially when you come back to the end. There's this whole thing where, like, Marcus, after Jacqueline dumps him, he gets with Angela, who should have been with Gerard. If this was real life, Angela and Gerard would have got together. It would have yeah. been amazing. But this is some bullshit-ass movie, and it's, like... Another, like, thematic element I hate about a lot of fucking movies, especially with all black romantic comedy casts, is that this man who's been acting a fool for, like, 20, 30, 40 years straight gets tripped up once and, and then, then like, acts right. right for, like, seven minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just gets to, like, have this most amazing partner, most amazing woman. So, basically, Marcus gets with Angela. He fucks her over because Jacqueline's like, hey, let's get back together. And he's like, oh, Angela, even though you're living in my house, I'm about to go hang out with Jacqueline. Right? So, anyway, the, he ends up breaking Angela's heart. Angela, right, comes back. Oh, yeah. At the she very end. Back. I love it. Because she comes back boss bitch. Right? Angela went from, like I said, she was, like, proto Shea Butter Twitter. She had, these, she had like a dashiki on in every single scene. No, she had Koofy on every single scene. She had a Koofy. She had Koofy in every single scene. She's always like making art. They always try to make it seem like, oh, I'm just the fresh. She's like, I don't have weave all down my back. That's what she could say. Love should have brought your ass Love home. Love should have brought night. your ass home last night, right? So Angela's like, you know, it's kind of a softy. And then because like Marcus breaks her heart, she gets on her career grind. She gets yeah. her shit together. She went from being creative in the meetings and making suggestions to like next time Marcus he's her. She's like wearing this sleek bad bitch dress. She don't have the fucking mushroom cut they no took more. Some she of got her the curls fucking, out. Yep, they took they made give her a side part, so she had a little fucking swoop action. She's just like has all these white people coming in and ask her questions. She's like, yes, no, like boss bitch, right? Of course, at the end of the movie, Marcus has quit his job, so he's now a broke, trifling asshole, right? <laughs> Who already fucked her over by getting with her. She was living with him. He went back and fucked like her Loki friend, <laughs> and yeah. then was like, I tried to act like that was cool. So he shows back up at her job unannounced. Pro tip: Don't ever fucking do with that some kids, with some kids that she used to work with. Which she used to work with. So basically, he went to her old like volunteer job, started teaching there as a deploy to get her like to get back into her life. I was. 
so irritated that at the end, Angela's just like, okay. Okay. Oh, you came to my job? Oh, you creepily did all this shit to stalk me? Okay. That aside, I would, my greatest hope is that as we continue, like, I want to see more black romantic comedies, obviously, in general, because this is super enjoyable to watch, just to see black people falling in and out of love and dating and stuff like that. But I will be pleased with, like, the feminist moments when the triumph isn't that the woman acts more like a man. You know mm. what I mean? Like, that's I'll be pleased with that when that's, like, not the ultimate triumph. I mean, I get where it came from. Like, actually, I was reading about how they started the movie. And one of my favorite, my favorite, probably, genre of film is 30s screwball comedies. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of, this was very, and they said they based it off of some of his, his Girl Friday, which is shit. It's not Myrna Loy. I don't know why I'm fucking up. I think it's Rosalind Russell. Yeah. But Myrna Loy is my bitch. It seemed like a character that Myrna Loy would have played, but I don't think it was her. I don't know. Anyway, so it's her, Cary Grant, and the intelligence that Jacqueline has, like mm-hmm. the banter that Angela's able to have. Because Angela's soft-spoken, but she's still interesting. She's funny. Yeah. These very driven, like interesting women were very common during that period. And that's what they said that they, they were influenced by. And loving His Girl Friday and also really enjoying Boomerang, I can definitely see the connections between those two. Somehow in the past 80 years, that got lost in the mix. So I, I get where they got that notion from of like, you're getting bested by this woman who's beating you at your own game. Ideally, I would love to see a a romantic comedy with feminist elements where the woman gets to kind of be her and be cool and not necessarily have to be an asshole (laughs) to be someone's equal. Yeah, they try to make her like, oh, she had become like cold. Right. Like at the end. Yeah, like I said, it has roots in that whole like, um, what's that thing called? Great Depression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's like Depression era and World War II era, like women in the workplace doing it. That's a very old notion, that whole like idea of girls can do what the guys do and still be a woman. But it'd be cool if a woman just did what she was doing and was the shit and didn't have to, like I said, be an asshole. I mean, I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I got to give you that because not even got to give you that. I mean, you're right. But <laughs> I'm going to savor that moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it happens very few and far between. But uh, this is this is definitely one where you got me. I mean, but I think there were a couple other things that were interesting about that that had some feminist elements, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're definitely right there. But I thought the other thing that was very interesting was that there are very few men who were... I mean, it made sense that because they were in a cosmetics company mm-hmm. that there would be very few men who worked there. But it was literally all women. There were, like, three... True. There were three men who I saw other than the board of directors. Mm-hmm. So you had Nelson. You had... Oh, my God. I can't remember the character's name. The fragrance designer. He's literally built as chemist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. They gave him a name in the scene, but I don't remember. So there's him, and then in addition, you have like Boney T and like Dave Allen Gray in there. But it's very few men who work at the company. There are women at every level. And I also thought it was interesting that Marcus, in this particular environment, thought he was just about to be top dog. And they merged with another company, and they made it a point to show that like it was Jacqueline who was his superior. Mm-hmm. Like she was his boss. And so she was really like running this company, and he had to really kind of come to terms with that. Yeah. In addition to the fact that even his like saving grace, so to detail another plot point, so Marcus, because he's heartbroken over Jacqueline, like fucks up this like big shoot that they had. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It was amazing. It was amazing. So he fucks up this big commercial shoot that they had with Stranger and they give him like one more chance. And it's actually Angela. Who has the idea for how to fix the whole shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, he got a lot of credit for, like, bringing his career back. But it was basically because he pitched Angela's work. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So, like, a lot of it was really just him coming to terms with the fact that he wasn't in control of his environment anymore. He wasn't that top dog. He couldn't have any woman he wanted within this company. Mm -hmm. You know, he had to really learn that women was running shit. 
Yeah. Who run the world? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's my my Beyonce reference for the year. Yeah, week, <laughs> day, right. hour. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting in itself, and they didn't make a point out of that. I mean, obviously he doesn't get props for that because he should have been okay with that regardless. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was interesting to kind of show that again with these types of stories, you don't see them making points to show those types of things. Even with a movie like Mo Better Blues. Yeah. Basically a similar story. You have this dog who gets reformed. Yeah. In in their professional space, that's not that's not really no, played it's not reflected. with. No. It's not reflected. So I thought it was really interesting that they made a point to show that at every point of his life he really had to open himself up more to letting women and specifically black women take the helm. I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. and had some, you know, roots in feminism. I actually, you know what? I am going to give you some credit. That was actually like the late 80s, early 90s was like a lot of us think of as like a great period in black film. And then there's like the late 90s, early 2000s, which a lot of us think of as like a great period in black film. Where we just had like a lot of really fun movies that we all love came out then. So obviously, you know, you have What's My Shit? Everybody shit. Coming to America, obviously. Do you know what I'm saying? You have Boys in the Hood. But then also in the late 90s, early 2000s, you have The Best Man and Brothers and all this kind of stuff. The Wood. The Wood, right. Those movies don't do as good, I don't think as nuanced of a job. Like The Best Man, and also The Best Man Holiday, show black people who are upwardly mobile and doing interesting work and things like that. But there's still, the the female characters may argue that they may be better developed or at least as well developed. But as far as those little, like you said, those little points, those little details that display their intelligence, that display their... Professional acumen? Yeah, professional acumen. Thank you. Those are not necessarily there or in, in a way that isn't like super duper obvious and kind of like disrespectful of the audience's intelligence yeah we know that this person is successful because we go to their job and they're telling people what to do and like like, i work at msnbc everyone needs me you know what i mean like they didn't have to do that in boomerang you could see that these women were on their shit and it was consistent throughout the entire film yeah i actually feel some of that i feel some of that i will say though so i told you the first time i watched a movie was in 2005 february 2005 I had gotten some surgery. I was in the hospital. It was like I had just gotten my scholarship to Howard, right? And Congrats. at you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I was like in the hospital. I had never seen this movie before. So it comes on, and I'm just like, my mind was blown, right, at 17. Come back and watch it at 27, in full. Like, I'd, I told you, I'd seen it in pieces, but I hadn't watched it credits to credits. I have a PSA. Men of Brooklyn. Or men of any anywhere, any town, USA. If you were born between the years... 1981 and 1987. I've realized now that a lot of the game that y'all are running, a lot of the corny <laughs> jokes that you tell, your it. weird preoccupation with women having decent pedicures comes from this fucking movie and it needs to stop. None of y'all are Marcus. Marcus wasn't that fly. And whatever, like, Marcus used to sit in his house with no shirt on under a blazer with a gold chain it's showing. A zip up blazer. Zip up blazer just to have folks over with like wild shoulder pads, right? And like wild bracelet cuff sleeves. So, like, you know, so you can see like six inches of his fucking wrist and forearm exposed. Marcus wasn't that fly then. And y'all aren't doing yourselves any favors when you try to kick Marcus' game in 2015. So, like, I'm just letting you guys know. I know we're only like one month in to the year, we're still in Q1. You have time to like fix your shit up. You have time you to rectify yourself. Three quarters to show some growth. You have three quarters to show some growth. I did not realize this movie is like the blueprint in y'all's minds. Some of these jokes I haven't heard before. Yeah. Some of these moves 
I have seen before, right? And not just in a general way. There are specific little things that y'all are doing. Tell us how you feel. There are specific little things that y'all are doing, and the shit is outdated, and it's corny, and it's whack. And y'all ain't that fly, neither was Marcus. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, I mean, to I mean to validate a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, who else were we stealing from? Tell me, I want to know. I actually want to hear from you about how did this? Because like it means something to you. Like I enjoyed yeah, this movie. It, but this, this movie, movie means, means a lot to me. What is it? What does it mean to you? How does that manifest itself? Maybe not 2015 because you're in a different situation. Yeah, in 2015. I'm luckily, but like early bit. 20s, Eric, college age, Eric. What did Marcus mean to you? I mean, okay, damn. So I'm not, I'm not about to do myself any favors right now. But I'm going I'm to I'm have this conversation because you know what? It, des- it's, it deserves to be had. It deserves to be had. So I mentioned I have like my top three favorite movies. One, Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Yeah, duh. Bruce Leroy. Come on. Okay. Can't fight it. Also, Mo Better Blues. The, overall, the overarching narrative, as I mentioned before, of Mo Better Blues is this very suave, debonair man, in this particular case, played by Denzel Washington. Yeah. Believable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Denzel Washington is a man. Let's be real. He, yeah. He's always been a man. Jazz trumpet player Denzel Washington <sighs> basically having his way with anybody who he wants. Because, like, he should be able to. He is trying to, like, find his way between these two different women. And he basically is a dog. I mean, they call him a dog. They they go back and forth and say, you're a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. <laughs> Bleak, you're a dog. He reforms himself and ultimately, you know, becomes a one-woman man. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, with Boomerang, you have this man who was very intelligent, very, you know, handsome in his career. I mean, Eddie Murphy is a handsome guy. Back then, he was a handsome guy. He was the man. Give him some credit. He was showing the... He didn't really even have no taco, taco meat, which is no, a sad he thing. He had a bare-ass <laughs> chest underneath that blazer. He had a bare, flat chest and had the nerve to have that shit out all the time. All like, the he time. He had been in the gym. Yeah. He thought he was Billy Blanks. <laughs> he did. I miss Billy Blanks. Oh, God. Anyway, so same thing, you know, this guy who was like, you know, got was cool and, you know, professionally on it, had his way with women and then eventually got his shit right and became a one woman man. Sadly, I thought that was what was supposed to happen. (sighs) He shows the way that this is like, if you act like this, eventually you'll have a time to get your life right. Hopefully you avoid, you know, the the ridiculous like ridiculousness that they both went through. Yeah. I mean, I feel like both of them had a too much wild shit going yeah, on. Yeah, too much wild shit going. But then you, you know, you grow and you learn and you know, you get it together, then you are able to find a mate. In this in these two particular cases, they end up with the women who they've seriously and egregiously done wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's what's pumped into my, you know, it's Early '90s, so break. crazy because I am a 27 year old black woman. Like I said, it's 2015. Since I was about yay high, like, cause you have to think, like, what movie came out in, like 1970? That was it, 95, 96. Waiting to exhale. exhale, yeah. And like Stella getting her groove back. So since I'm young, I'm watching these movies, and I don't even want to get into like some damn color purple or beloved <laughs> and how stressed that makes you as a little black girl. But like. You had this thought where you're just like, I'm, I'm seven. I'm like, where are all the good men? Where are all the good men? That's what's been pumped in my mind. I could do something new so I could just go out and just find a white man because they're just walking around willing and like, that's what, you know, these dating and all this kind of, this weird propaganda would have you think that like white men and black women are people. They just got to find each other because yeah. we're all just out here yeah. in the wilderness together. By, by themselves. By themselves, <laughs> trying to, just trying to get chose. 
Or like you have to like go the Tyler Perry like Tyler oh, Perry yeah. hero and just get route. broke all the way down. Right, get and broke then... all the way down, and then be like standing on the corner one day, downtrodden, waiting for the bus. The bus doors swing open. I look up, and there's my man. Right, so that's the yeah. Tyler Perry route. Or I'm getting mad. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no man. I'm upset about it. I gotta subjugate myself. I'm. Go- I got too much education. I shouldn't have gone to college. I should have gained weight. I should have got ass shots. I should have lost weight. I shouldn't have had kids. I should have kids so I can prove I'm a good mother. I gotta date older. I gotta get a younger man. But anyway, you slice it. There's this idea of like scarcity, yeah. and it's mind blowing to me that you were able to grow up with this idea of like, all right, so I'm young. Start having sex, have sex with as many people as possible, go get a cracking, you know what I'm saying, F- fuck up, stress all these women out, and then at some point my queen is going to appear. And no matter what I do to her, she got to accept me. That's, I mean, it's really, it's fucked up. It's kind of, not kind of, it's, it's fucked up. And the thing about <laughs> it, it's real fucked up. It's really, really fucked up. I mean, neither one of those realities are true. Nah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I Mine mean, nor yours. But the thing about it is, luckily... Growth happens. Yeah. And we're, we're also coming into a world where doing ridiculous, as some would say, you know, to be a little explicit with it, fuck shit, <laughs> is no yeah. longer we acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> so we're fine. But yeah, you can't do this shit no more. You can't, you can't do this shit no more. And I'm, I'm really glad for that. And I'm glad a lot, of, a lot more men are, you know, not as accepting of that type of behavior. And we're a lot more willing to, like I've seen, I've personally seen behind the scenes, absent of women, a lot more men taking the Gerard route and being like, yo, you need to chill. Like, <laughs> you're you're fucking up and you're not Marcus. <laughs> like, it, it ain't cute to be Marcus and broke. It's not. It's not. Like, but yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think things are changing. Like I said, people, you know, feminism is becoming a thing. Like, I, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, I, I, I hadn't heard the word feminism until maybe I got to Howard. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, you know, understanding the man's place and what he's done mm-hmm. and why you got to live your life right, it helps. I'm just thankful that I can look back <coughs> on Boomerang and not yes. be like, yo, why haven't I watched this shit before? Like, <laughs> yo, I need to be using this shit exactly. right now. Like, I had some dudes out there, I think, who, like, I feel like I've been on some dates in the past, like, couple years, year and a half, where definitely I got the impression, thinking back on it, like... He was probably watching Boomerang shortly yeah. before he left the house. <laughs> or Mo Better Blues, or like, I mean, there are, there are a whole bunch of them. Like, yeah, because actually, Bill Bellamy's How to Be a Player How is to Be so, a Player. So, but Bill Bellamy's How to Be a Player is so Over the top. ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, it's so ridiculous. You can't take it. Like, I, I was allowed to watch that movie when I was a kid because it's That's that wild. ridiculous. I, like, my mom would let me watch it. And, my, and like, I got away with watching a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. But no. I didn't really get away with watching, watching a lot of shit. I mean, mostly it was just because I got to just watch TV. Oh, yeah. You know, Blanket. But I remember that movie coming out and, like, somebody, I don't know if it was my mom or my sister or somebody being like, nope. Mm-mm. See, because you were a little boy. I saw it on, like, Comedy Central. It was mm. on all the time on Comedy Central. It was edited by that Yeah, it was, I mean, it was edited by the time I saw it. My father used to, he's going to hate me for saying this. He sometimes quotes Pierre <laughs> from that movie when he's like, you know, Pierre said, Light Skin Brothers is coming back in style. And I'm like, that. <laughs> anyway. So... I mean, I think this is this has been fun. We, this also, has been we talked really about fun. some real shit. So people sleep on Boomerang. They do see. I think honestly, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. 
it's 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 worth it is worth a watch if nothing else just to see well i don't, I don't want to say what could have been because like what I mean, was the 90s was a really yeah. special time this is a movie that only could have been done in the 90s and also one last thing yeah this whole movie was a sexual harassment lawsuit waiting to happen can i just throw that out there <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> Like, I don't understand. The co- whole company would have went bankrupt. Done. Done. All they needed was, like, one Silkwood. They just needed one whistleblower. That shit would have gone down. And actually, la- okay, this is for real my last. Best line of the movie. What? Best line of the movie, my new daily affirmation. What? Is from Chris Rock at the end when Marcus is walking into the company. He goes, he Chris Rock or Boney T, as he says, yo, Marcus, why are you looking so down? Wait, we have, go ahead. You think Malcolm X died so you can walk, walk around, around looking, looking like, like a chump? chump? I wrote down the same line. Oh, my God. I was like, this is the best. And actually, you know what? That's the... You want to know the thing. Well, first of all, actually, theme number zero of Black History Month 2015 is shout out to my real Africans out there. <laughs> okay, Marsh so that's theme lunch. number zero. Theme number one is Malcolm X did get shot for you to walk around looking Maybe like a chump. chump. That's the realest shit I heard in a long, long time. This true. If you can, if Selma didn't motivate you, that should. That should. Watch Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. The ancestors like this, are gonna strike us down. Yeah, today. I'm scared to walk out of this building. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> review, review, rate, rate, listen, share. We're on. Uh, we have a website now. Yes, you can listen to the episodes on the website, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Okay. On Podbay. Podbay. And actually, I think a couple others. I can't I think remember. a couple others. And if you're using those, maybe you live in the dark web. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we out here. We out here. You, if you um, if you want to talk to us, we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. We're on Facebook now. Uh, yeah. We're on Instagram. You can send us an email if you have something really long to say. And we're actually, we're trying to get back to all the emails. I know it takes it takes a while. So please, please do know we also have day jobs. Yeah, we so, do day jobs. This is not the only thing So we we're do. fitting this in in all our extra time. So yeah. just please know we will get back to you. We will point. get back to you. And also, um, oh, also, we, if you are too lazy to go look at any of those things, we have a newsletter. So you, if you go to our website, you can subscribe to a newsletter. You'll be able to get me and Eric's top five articles that we read for the week. And we read a shit ton, sadly. Yeah, we actually read a shit ton. We have no lie. You can get the week's newest episode and then also with a little bit of a description and usually something fun. Last week, we actually sent out a Migos quiz. I uh, got Quavo. I'm Takeoff. Which makes me your uncle. You've reminded me that fact a lot. I know. It's like the truth. Yeah. The truth telling. Okay. Well, thanks. Thank you. So yeah, hit us up. It's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs>